Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hello, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Scarlett Fu. And today we have Tyler Tumania. She is the commissioner of the Premier Hockey Federation, but you might know it better as the National Women's Hockey League. The league has rebranded into PHF, Premier Hockey Federation, uh, which is the leading source of professional women's hockey in North America. So we want to talk a little bit more about what's going on here, the thinking behind this rebranding and the outlook for women's hockey in North America. Tyler is joining us right now. Tyler, it's great to speak with you. Um, so the NWHL had a pretty successful season last year. The COVID disrupted things, but you brought in a lot of money. And now, before the new season begins, you are rebranding as the Premier Hockey Federation. What's the thinking behind this change? Sure. Thank you all for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, the thinking really stems from the fact that you just said it. We really had um, a really great season six, with, which is only two weeks um, a two-week season, but with that, since I started back in October, comes um, comes with a lot of change. Uh, how we um, restructured ourselves internally, we've created a board of the governors, um, we have private ownership with all, within all six of our teams now. We look different internally. And so the re- we redefined who we were as a, as a brand, what we looked like. The PHF in particular is you know, professional women's hockey league with a new name that's inclusive and respects differences in gender identity and the composition of their rosters, how they look today and how they'll look in the future. Um, and so we really felt that this opportunity was, was now um, for the new brand. And um, it, we believe it'll create a broader appeal um, down the road. Tyler, I'm one of those guys, say it loud, say it proud, equality forever. Because and sometimes I say it too loud and I get in a little trouble here. Not here, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just get sick and tired of the the pay inequality and all of this. What is it going to take to get something on an even keel for everybody involved? Yeah, I mean, there's it's going to take a lot, right? Um, so from a business standpoint, uh, you know, it's really for us in women's sport in particular. We really have to align ourselves with partners um, that really understand what we're trying to do here. Um, it takes a true partner um, that come in on top of our ownerships that really float us on the operational level, but to grow this to the next level, to get the viewership up that we need, um, to understand that the partners that come in as our sponsors, um, in order to grow revenue, that will have a direct impact, in particular with our federation, has a, has a major impact on that salary cap. Um, we have somebody like Discover and Duncan come in um, for season six, landmark deal with Discover. We saw firsthand what that does. Um, our salary cap was, was able to double immediately. Um, and so we do, we rely on um, the partners that come in and want to grow and have an impact on this social change and equality. And um, it's the lifeblood to any of our, our leagues um, going forward. 
and it's necessary. Hey, Tyler, it's Mike Lynch up in Boston. Um, every league, uh, in order to survive, needs some type of, of, of TV deal. What type of uh, streaming or TV deal have, have you put together for the league? Um, you know what? I really wish I could say this. I even asked permission because <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a we have a historical deal. It's it's so exciting. Um, I'm I'm so beyond thrilled about what season seven is going to look like for these athletes. Um, I'm dying to tell them. I'm dying to tell the world. <laughs> we won't <That> tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's just really um, and again a testament to you know the the flirting of our media exposure deal out of season six, right? Those, those opportunities and why NBCSM was so important to us last year was not only did it bring in more sponsors um, for the Federation, but it also was able to give these proof points that we need um, so that we can say, yes, you know, we're North America's women's hockey league. This is what we're able to do with six markets. We don't have 30 markets, right? We have six markets. So to scale, we're still quite small. Um, but you can see going up into an Olympic year, there's there's excitement for it. There's movement for it. And I'm really excited to, to get going on Season 7 because I think this is going to be the year um, that will launch this in the next two to three years on growth um, and, and revenue, um, what we're trying to do with our media exposure deals and where you can see it, um, whether it's domestic or international. And that is what's so important to women's sports. It definitely feels like you're at an inflection point, but even with the rebranding, even with um, you being on the precipice of these major broadcast deals, it doesn't change the fact that many of the top female players in the world uh, did not suit up for the NWHL um, after the Canadian Women's Hockey League folded in 2019. Instead, they banded together as the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, and they continue to sit out. From, from where you sit, why are these players holding out? What's what's their concern? Well, I think um, again that that predates me that boycott. Sure. But I think what what happens now is that there's a building of trust, right? There's relationship buildings. There's been discussions. There's been more discussions now than there ever has been. Um, and there's an education. Um, the things that they have required and asked for, which they should, um, is are things that we have changed in the last ten, eleven months. Such as um, and. You, well, there are, we've enhanced our player benefits. Uh, we've made our, our player benefits um, transparent. Uh, we've doubled the, our salary cap. Um, we've, 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 um, uh, the ranks in the locker rooms, we've got brand new locker rooms. We've invested in the locker rooms and really made them state-of-the-art. Um, travel and busing, that wasn't happening before either. Um, so now the travel accommodations, the flights, the bus, the equipment, equipment deals are there. Um, so, again, we'll, well, I think it's important to understand that we'll always want them to come back because I truly believe that the sport grows together um, and, and not have this divide. Um, but, again, like any relationship, professional or, or personal, you've got to build that trust since it was broken. Um, I, I just want to follow so, up on that salary cap you mentioned. Um, it's now doubled to 300000 per team, but you've got about, what, 20 to 25 players rostered, so at best that averages out to about $15,000 per player. That's still not a livable wage for these players. No, it is not. And then, um, But again, that should be viewed as just a starting point. And as we grow and that revenue model grows, um, hopefully that becomes a yearly thing where we increase it. But you're right. 
Um, you know, they're playing. We, we did double the salary cap. We didn't expand the roster. Um, minimum 20 on the roster, and we didn't increase our games. So what you see sometimes with a salary cap increase, the schedule and the practices increase as well, but we didn't do that. We kept the schedule the same, kept practices the same, kept the roster composition the same, the size. Um, and again, like we're here to really just grow it, and uh, we can only do that again with, with that cycle of every, the infusion of the business model and really getting all parts of revenue coming in in order to grow it. I am from the land of if you can bet on it, they will come, and I, and that's is that's with anything. You put the odds up, and I'm right there trying to do my homework, trying to see to get an advantage to make a bet. What do you think of as a commissioner of online betting for your league? I'm hot for it. <laughs> I feel like that's all I've been talking about for the last six months. Um, and we've had some really good conversations as well. Um, I'm hoping that we get to a point where I come back on your program here and announce some kind of deal. Um, but I think it's important. I mean, I, I mean, you see it across all sports. Uh, and, I, and I think it's, uh, you know, again, another revenue stream for um, this league uh, in particular that it, it's, you know, all aids in that growth model going forward and creating some sustainability. We're... we're I, if I could do one tomorrow, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tyler, um, you know, the, the WNBA uh, is, is partners with the NBA, um, marketing a little bit of financial support. Do you ever see that uh, a relationship developing with the National Hockey League for your league? Yeah, so we actually have a really good relationship with them. We cross market. They're very supportive of us. I value um, being able to come in um, a short time ago and building that relationship up as well. Um, they helped us with our draft. Uh, a lot of the NHL teams help us as well. Um, we actually, you know, the Bruins are very um, good with us. With the, we um, play out of the Warrior Arena, uh, the practice facility for the Bruins. Um, again, we we our our outlook and how our owners come in is it's really standalone. They're very dedicated to growing the the, the game itself. They're very hands on. <laughs> um, they roll up their sleeves and and give a lot of dollars and energy and into um, making this grow on its own. Um, I think we've always said that uh, we would just continue to do that, right? Um, I don't think we would want to put the NHL in any position to say, okay, now you need to absorb us. I don't think um, the way the landscape is post-COVID as well, that that's a reality. They've said it's not a reality. So we just continue to grow the game um, with our investors that we have now and, and hope to see some success. And we're still young. Uh, seven years is like seven seconds in the sports landscape. So yeah, you're um, an infant, still, practically. Oh, uh, yeah. We still have to prove. <laughs> what, what kind of support from the NHL would be most meaningful to uh, your league right now? Really, it's the cross-promotion and allowing um, that marketing aspect of their arm to help us. Uh, brand awareness is very instrumental in, in our success. Um, they're, they're helping us do that currently, Um and uh, that, to us, is what we need. We need, we need eyeballs. Mm -hmm. uh, we need the attention. We need the interest. Uh, we're still in that stage where people are saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that there was a pro women's league out there in North America. Um, and, and they've been very good with that. So um, I, I need that continued support in order to, to help us.
you have a lot of experience in business, and you also have a lot of experience in minor league baseball. How did all of that help you and carry over into the job that you're in right now? Yeah, I'm like the baseball chick. Um, <laughs> Turned hockey chick. I, asked, I know. I ask myself that every day. So I just came uh, not in hockey, but I was the 16 years of, of being in baseball, and I had you know oversight of six minor league teams and different. You know, I've, I guess it's both sides of the fence now, right? Um, I see the the men's sport and what I was able to do there, much larger scale, believe it or not. Um, operating budget was a lot larger than what I'm dealing with now. Um, the sports entertainment uh, model in the minor league baseball is really um, probably a test of my character. Uh, I really like that autonomy to be able to kind of go in and out and be creative and tongue-in-cheek sometimes on some of our promotional uh, um, items and giveaways and thoughts. Um, so not dissimilar to what, what enticed me here was uh, six teams and you know the ability to kind of go in and um, gut and then um, try to get process and protocols in place and um, be able to have the autonomy and freedom to do some things that will be different here that um, will create a a unique factor um, to the women's game um, over time. And so, yeah, I think um, going from that world to this world, there there wasn't um, that much change other than, again, establishing some process and protocol that, that needed to get in place. Tyler, where, right where do you see this league in five years? Hopefully um, in different markets. You know what I would love? Maybe this is, is probably, but this is, we all have, we all have dreams. And, uh, but I would love an East Coast, West Coast division and really grow this, um, the teams on expansion um, across North America and then have some international infusion to whether it's expedition games or, more of a, a World Cup mentality. Um, beyond Canada, essentially. Yeah, beyond Canada. But that's where I see it in hopefully five years. It's strong, sustainable, and growing. i got to ask you about your thoughts as a female commissioner um, of a women's league. Uh, what, what you thought when you saw the stories surrounding the National Women's Soccer League and how that league handled all those reports of coaches sexually coercing players. Three coaches let go inside of three months. That's 40% of the league's coaches. It's no longer about individuals behaving badly. There's something more systemic going on there. Yeah, it seemed to me, again, I don't usually like to comment on what goes on in other leagues only sure. because I don't have an intimate seat of what has happened. I can say that it's unfortunate and um, disgusting. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, I could say that what we're trying to do and have been doing here is prevent any of that. Um, we have policies in place and communication lines open. Um, we spoke to our athletes directly after hearing that and made and reassured them that if that um, if ever they felt uncomfortable in the environment that they um, come to us immediately. We do have a zero tolerance policy for that. Is the coaching staff mostly male or female in the PHF? At the uh, six teams that we have, I have five male coaching staff. I have five head coaches that are male. Mm-hmm. And what about their their staff? Same. Like, um, pro- processing is all in place. And, again, there's zero tolerance here at this league for if any time an athlete or anyone 
um, front office staff comes to us and and um, has any kind of feeling of not being safe. Um, and so that's all we could do here is protect um, our our environment as best as we can. Um, and again, that was quite unfortunate what happened there to the NWSL. So let's say, for instance, a, a young woman wants to come to you and wants to find management in this league. What do you tell her? What if this this young woman wants to say, look, hold my beer. I want to make a name in this. What tips would you give her? Hold my beer. Um, I'm not sure I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> hold my coffee. I don't know How about that? Just hold it? Um, no, I, 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 that would be too tempting. If they, if they want to, um, you're saying if they want to play in this league, Anything. If they want to play in the league, if they want to get into management, if they if they want to make a mark in this league, and and just take it to brand new heights, what would t- what would you tell them, and what tips would would you give this person to to make a name for herself? Yeah, I think it all comes back down to like perseverance and grit. Um, it's not easy to to make a name for yourself. Um, whether that's an athlete or a front office or coaching staff. Uh, there's a lot of hurdles that, you know, have to go into it. But, you know, with, with being confident about who you are and your skill set, not cocky, but confident, and, um, and really just you know, being, um, you know, having some perseverance to, to what, you're, what you want out of life and what you would like to see yourself, whether that's the athlete or the front office. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Um, you know, really trying to take advice, especially if I look back at my own career, it was, it was quite difficult to get into baseball, and I grew up in it, right? My father just retired last year from the Chicago White Sox. I, I know a lot of people in baseball. I grew up baseball rat. Uh, still very, very hard um, to get in. Uh, it took me a, a bunch of years. Um, but just believing in myself and b- believing what I brought to the table, um, again, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get kicked in the gut. Mm-hmm. Um every now and then. Um, but how you recover from that is really how I think people shine and succeed in life. Tyler, um, as a commissioner, your job obviously at the PHF is to create a successful business model, grow the business. Uh, you talked about how you wanted to expand the, the number of teams. What I find notable is that the business model here has changed because when it was the National Women's Hockey League, the league used to own the teams. It's now shifted towards independent ownership of each franchise. And Increasingly, there's a view that it may now be the time now to invest profitably in professional women's sports um, if you have a real long-term horizon. I'm curious what kind of interest you've fielded for investment from outsiders in women's professional hockey now that each franchise is um, moving towards independent ownership. Yeah, I feel like the last 10 or 11 months, I feel there's a lot of interest, believe it or not. Um, again, it's interesting, like even when I own teams, right, I know I'm going into that knowing that the next three to four years, I'm going to eat it. Um, when I when I invest in something, it's, you know, you really don't start making any kind of any anything back uh, within three, four or five years. Um, here, uh, I think there is a little bit of... Um, an interest. It's actually initially how I got involved was I was thinking about buying a team myself. Um, Which team? Because the buy, 
Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um, the buy-in is not as as, as big um, because of you know going back to scale, um, operating budgets, and all that um, are doable um, within to see some kind of turnaround and some fin- financial um, reward coming back within less than t- three years. I would say maybe the second year in, you you can start to see maybe some kind of. Uh, return, but um, I think their interest is that when you start seeing publicly um, whether partners and the infusions of new partners coming in, I think that's also important too. Like we were able to grow our sponsorship for the first time in in five years, um, and then with um, for me when I look at investments because <laughs> that's really where I, I like to live. Um, when I start seeing media exposure deals. That's another time where it starts piquing my interest or when I start hearing from people or, hey, we should buy in. Or, and so that that will be, um, I, I foresee uh, this coming the next maybe five to six months, like, I'll start to see even more people inquiring about clubs. Hey, Tyler, how, how do you um, stock your, your rosters? Do you have a draft? Is it regional signings? Uh, is there a minimum age limit? Are high school players allowed to sign, college players, et cetera? Yeah, and you have to graduate college. Um, our composition looks, uh, we have our amateur draft every year. Uh, the teams have their picks. Uh, we just started an international draft this year, uh, which is only a one-round international draft. But um, And then what um, holes the, uh, the teams have after that, um, the cap is at 25. Um, they, can, they can give out 20 spots. Um, but, yeah, then at that point, if they still need, like, for example, Toronto after the draft and their national draft still needed two more roster spots, at that point the head coach or the team leadership can go out and inside for agents. By the way, I want to add, too, that the PHF season begins Saturday, November 6th. So check it out, everybody, because uh, I will definitely be doing that uh, for my homework when I'm able to bet on it, Tyler, <laughs> commissioner <laughs> of the uh, of the PHF, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you again for the attention. I'll come on anytime you guys ask. So enjoy it. Thank I you. really enjoy it. Thank we, you, thank you, Tyler. We Thanks, Tyler. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, and we are here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynchy WCVB. And I'm Scarlett Foo. I'm on Twitter at Scarlett Foo, and I have plenty of hockey content on my Twitter feed. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Listen to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.